Welcome, everybody, to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. My name is Robert Steinman. I'm your host. And we are back to three people this week. We have the newsman returning. Hey, I'm Zach, uh, super flat on the boards. And, of course, the man with many titles, the man who controls our lives from behind the curtain. We, we had three people last week. Did we? We did, Brian. It was, it was you, me, and Brian. Uh, I feel like I'm having a fever dream right now. Okay, introduce yourself, jerk. No. That's John McCarroll. The uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Supreme Executive Douchebag this week. So, oh uh, uh, yeah, there we go. I, wait, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Special Event Coordinator. Uh, Bam. All right. So this week uh, we have a couple of RPGs to talk about. Uh, then a nice topic about what I'm going through right now in terms of RPG and just video game in general fatigue. And then we got a nice, meaty, juicy news section that will, of course, conclude with what everybody is probably a little bit afraid of, the next Mass Effect. All right, so, John, do you want to start off? Yeah, sure. Um, So I was at a local game retailer a little bit earlier, and uh, I picked up a copy of Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, which the only reason that I can um, successfully name that title is because I have the box in front of me. Um, so it's, it's from Chunsoft, the guys who make all the, like the Fushigino dungeon games. So they made Sheer and the Wanderer. They made, uh, um, they, no, uh, Pokemon Mysterious Dungeon. Oh, so they, okay. Oh, right. They, so they make all these roguelikes. Um, but they also make, uh, adventure games, which I'm still sad that we never got 428 in North America, which was a Wii adventure game. That was kind of like CSI, but, uh. That's neither here nor there. So I'm maybe an hour into the game. Um, like I said, I just snagged it today since I didn't have anything to talk about on the podcast. Um, it's an adventure game. You're this. Uh, the main character is a guy named uh, Junpei. No relation to our friend from Persona Three. Um, you've been what? Badum Tish. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> uh, um, you've been kidnapped by a guy in a gas mask who comes into your apartment and says that you are going to be part of this game. And uh, the game actually starts out with you in this cabin on a ship that starts filling with water, and you've got to escape out of it. So, so far the gameplay, um, do you guys know those those Japanese Flash games that are kind of like, okay, you have to find everything in this room to escape from it? Mm, yeah, Crimson yeah. Room and stuff. Uh, yeah, Crimson Room, which there is a PSP version of Crimson Room, which mm. I'm still need to try out um it's that mixed with like a digital novel um so far it really reminds me of lux pain which i know a lot of people didn't like lux pain because it had a really subpar uh, localization but it's one of my favorite adventure games so i'm, I'm digging it so far uh and it, it's you, you look at some of these uh adventure games now and the puzzles are really really simplistic not so. I mean, in the first room, it had me, uh, you know, summing numbers and compare. They gave me a chart of shapes that related to items in the room that I had to match to a briefcase's combination. So it's more complex than what you would see in an average adventure game. And I'm honestly really digging on it so far. Um, like I said, I'm not particularly far into the game. 
So I can't comment much on how the story unfolds completely, but I'm digging it thus far. You know, I'm I'm glad Axis brought this over since uh, it's not an Idea Factory game like uh, Blazing Souls. But yeah, see, I, I really like puzzles. Um, it's it's something that I think I should try out Professor Layton at some point. Just seeing some of the puzzles in that, and also. Uh, you, we were talking in the pre-show warm-up about Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood and how they have like these really thought-provoking, intricate puzzles. And I really like this stuff, but now my question to you about this game, and it doesn't sound like you're very far through, are the puzzles fair? Because th- this is my number one complaint about puzzles in a video game. Like the, One of the last puzzles in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, it's like a number-based pu- puzzle, and it's the Fibonacci sequence, which I recognized – Fairly quick, not as quick as I probably should have, but I f- recognized it. But then it changes the Fibonacci sequ- sequence on one of the numbers just to screw with you, just to throw you off. But it do- it only does it once in the numbers that you have, and then you just have to assume that it's going to do it again in the two numbers that you don't have. And to me, that's an unfair puzzle. Now, is this game – does this game play fair in terms of the puzzles, or is it just effing with you? So far, it's played fair. Um, okay. I I really dislike when games don't play fair in their puzzles. Um, any game where I feel like I have to go to a fac or go to a strategy guide, I really tend to discount that as uh, an adventure game that's fair. I'd like to think that I'm a fairly intelligent person, and I like these kind of puzzles, but I if, if I have to spend more than 15 minutes thinking about something, and if I look at a fac and go, oh, I should have gotten that, that's one thing. If I look at a fact and I go, who in their right mind would have thought of this? That's bad. Well, even worse than that, there's one puzzle in Brotherhood that I've, I've looked at the solution, and I, I stared at the solution for 20 minutes, and I went, this still doesn't make sense. Like, I really don't get it. And so what, what people basically had to do was they just had to put in every possible permutation of the solution. Uh, again, there's only like 81, so it wouldn't take you that long. But just like... When puzzles don't play fair, I, I just want, I get up and I go and I look at a game FAQ or whatever, and then I just move on. And I don't want that experience to happen. I want to feel intelligent when I solve these puzzles. So that I think that's why I'm a little hesitant to try out these adventure games, you know, because I feel like I might get somewhere where I'm just going to smash my head through a table because I'll be stubborn and not want to look up uh, an FAQ. Yeah, like I said, I give it about 15 minutes before I hit a fact on any individual puzzle. Um, I really wish that more game companies would do what they did with the uh, Monkey Island remakes, where you include a hint system that says, okay, you go here. Because it's it's one thing to be challenged, but it's another thing to be to, – to put up a barrier that is there specifically to stop the player. Like, yep. it ceases to be fun at that point. Yep, yep, totally agree. How's the pacing on the puzzles? Or is it is it a good balance? Like I know, like if you were to compare it to Professor Layton, that game is all about the puzzles, uh, and you know, like less about going around being you know, like being an adventurer. So game, it, whereas, it, like no, so I think that that perhaps my calling it an adventure game is a misnomer. It's more of a digital novel. There, there's a distinct barrier between when you are in puzzle mode and when you are in uh, game mode. I think the uh, the manu it's it's called novel part when you're when you're in the uh the digital novel part and escape when you're in a puzzle part um because you spend you spend your time literally trying to escape rooms 
Um, you, you're trying to escape this ship. That's the game. And uh, so there's a distinct setup. I'd say that it's about even unless you get yourself stuck somewhere. Um, I One thing I will say is that I like their use of the DS screen. Usually when you play uh, an adventure game or a digital novel, you look at the Phoenix Wright games, everything happens on the top screen, and the bottom screen is pretty much tap-tap the middle. And if you need to access the menu, it's there. When you're in the novel part in this game, it's really cool. It shows you what's going on on the top, and it shows any character dialogue on the top. But then there's this narrator voice on the bottom screen that says, okay, Junpei goes here, or da-da-da-da-da. And actually, the, the prose has been pretty good thus far, but then it will show the character dialogue on the top screen, and I've really been intrigued by that. Uh, just a side comment, because Zach, I don't, I don't think you have it in news, and this kind of goes along with the adventure thing. If you, if anybody's interested in Ghost Trick uh, for the DS, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm enunciating because I'm sick. Uh, if you buy that from the Capcom store right now, they bundle in a copy of uh, Phoenix Wright. I thought it was ten dollars more. Uh, ten ten dollars more, but yeah, you get Phoenix Wright as well. So you know, we were talking a couple weeks ago about how much I really wanted to play that game. Yeah, you know, that's not even in print anymore, and I got to get go. I, I got Ghost Trick, which I'm interested in, and that'll come out in what January. Yeah, and, and then uh, Phoenix Wright to come along with it. So a uh, little tip out there if you guys are interested and you want to get a hold of Phoenix Wright and not pay you know fifty bucks on eBay or whatever, you know, definitely look into it. Yeah, and it I. I, I've played a little bit of the Wii Bear version, and it's nice to have it on a big screen, but there's nothing like yelling at your DS to... Um, objection! Uh, yes, that, that's that's fantastic. Does it register anything, or do you have to say objection? Um, you can kind of yell whatever you want at it. Um, it's, it's pretty much if it detects noise, and you've got multiple syllables. I just had to think for a second. I thought of three things I wanted to shout at it, and then I realized we were trying to keep this thing family-friendly. Yeah, let's, so. let's not yell anything sexual during uh, the podcast. No, it wasn't going to be sexual. It was going to be way worse, but I, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll save it for after the podcast. So, uh, all right. So, John, is that it for you? Uh, I think so. Like I said, I'm not particularly far into the game, so I can't give insight to the overarching story or anything like that. But, I mean, thus far it looks good. Like I said, it reminds me sort of of uh, – of Lux Pain, which I think was a really underappreciated game. Um, yeah, it had an awful translation, but it was awesome. So, I mean, if you like digital novels, check it out. Um, if you like games like Crimson Room, check it out. All right, all right. Zach, uh, good to have you back on the podcast, sir. So what have you been playing? Uh, I've been I've been keeping myself busy with some uh, Chaos Rings on the iOS platform. Uh, and so Chaos Rings is a game by Square Enix. It's available on the Apple uh, iTunes store, iTunes app store. It's for, expensive, isn't it? Yep, it's about $13. Whoa! Um, which is uh, a good deal more than most games on the Apple, you know, like on the, the app store right now. Um, but you you are getting essentially a, a full-fledged RPG in there. It is equivalent to something that you might pay $30, $40 on the PSP or DS for, uh, and it is pretty darn good. Um, basically, the the plot is that you um, are kind of whisked away to this. Uh, I guess they call it the the arena where you you are with two. You, it's everyone is divided into couples, so you have there are four different playable characters or playable groups in the game. Each party has two party members, and so there's the the first 
party member, the first group is like a, a young knight and or this woman who helps at an orphanage. And then there's another group who is there is an older kind of warrior and an older woman. There is a young prince and his uh, protective warrior woman person. And then there's uh, a stable hand and a princess, you know, kind of classic fairy tale sort of thing. Um, how, how many of those characters look like Sephiroth? A handful. There, uh, uh, Two of the guys have white hair. Um, nettie, nettie, nettie. What? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but basically you you – uh, you start off, you have, um, you go dungeon crawling in these dungeons and you're trying to find, uh, find out why you have been summoned to this arena with these other six people. Um, and the story is actually fairly interesting. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to say too much because it really, they start you off with very little reason or clue as to why you're there. Um, but it's a really involved story, fairly long game, um, and easily something that you would find on the PSP or DS. Like, easily they could have, like, 100% put this out on Nintendo DS, $30, uh, no problem. The combat is fairly interesting um, in that you have, since it's only two people in your party at a given time, you can either attack each individually or in pairs, um, and so if you attack individually, you get those two different attacks, uh, and the enemies can only target you uh, individually, but your attacks do less damage. But if you attack as a group, your attacks do a little bit more than the combined total, uh, but then enemies can attack both of you at the same time. So there's a little bit of a, a balance to play there. What's the control scheme like? I mean, it sounds like it's turn-based, but how does it work mm-hmm. on the it's, side? It's a, you know, it's your standard kind of turn-based uh JRPG on the when you're out like on in the dungeons there's you basically use a slide pad sort of deal where wherever you put your thumb you just kind of slide it around to move the character and is, is on, it is a movement kind of similar to what you can do in uh, Dragon Quest Nine with the DS stylus yeah yeah it's similar um I mean the one thing is that I I've found that the slide pad is kind of annoying in that like if you push too far towards the edge of the screen you know like to see more of the screen um you you don't get like the full range of movement so like you can kind of get your thumb stuck in the corner which isn't terrible you know like you can actually set uh depending on the genes you equip which are like the the skill sets that you equip by defeating enemies um you can actually equip a gene that allows you to skip all random encounters so if you're just trying to get through a dungeon you can just kind of you know go through if you've uh you know power leveled your way it's very easy to to grind out levels in this and just kind of make yourself overpowered and breeze through the game. You can kind of just like skip chunks at a time, which in some ways is kind of nice in others. It is, you know, the, the pacing is a bit off, but yes, but back to the, the battle system, it's, you know, it's basically, you know, what you would have in any JRPG, except that you're touching the menu options uh, instead of, you know, like using a, a D pad to navigate. Su- supplementary question. Um, Appropriately touching or inappropriately touching? Very inappropriate. No, uh, appropriately touching. Um, I need an adult. <laughs> um, I don't even know. Yeah. So the the I mentioned the pacing. The uh, the battles are 
moderately paced. They are, you know, they're the the one problem that I think that the game has is it is, you know, it is a fairly graphically intense game on the iPhone, and the the frame rate is not what you would, you know, it's not like a smooth sixty frames per second. Um, and there's a little bit of sluggishness in the in the combat and in the movement on the field and stuff, but for the most part, it moves along in a nice clip. The one thing where the pacing does kind of drop for the game on the whole is in the puzzles. And there are certain, there are certain puzzle rooms in the game, which generally involve switching your character's position with certain blocks and collecting more gems to be able to switch with more blocks. Um, and I'm certainly not explaining that with any great deal of eloquence, but there, there are a couple of these puzzles that get really tough towards the end of the game, um, and you can't skip them. Uh, so unlike the, the random encounters where you can basically, you know, grind your way to, you know, like being able to defeat, you know, whatever bosses may be in that dungeon, uh, the, these puzzles you can get legitimately stuck on and can completely impede your progress, which is a bummer at times. But, you know... Other times, you know, they're they're fun and entertaining. Oh, and one one last thing about the dungeons is that they come in uh, different uh, kind of difficulty flavors. So if you are just starting the game and you want to just kind of breeze through the dungeons, uh, you can pick a level one to ten version of the dungeon or a level ten to twenty version of the dungeon. Uh, that, you know, as it corresponds to your character levels and all of the enemies and all of the, uh, you know, like bosses and items that you get will kind of correspond to that. So if you want to level up really quickly uh, and have like more difficult battles, you can pick, you know, like a, a level bracket that's a little bit higher than yours. Or if you want to just breeze through the dungeon, you know, as I said before, you can pick like the level one to 10 version. That sounds very similar to what you could do uh, in The World Ends With You. Like you could pick how difficult the battles were going to be and that sort of thing and I, I really like that player choice but it's also a little overwhelming at times you know like that that's so much information to put on a player especially at the beginning of a game you know it do you did you personally like raise the difficulty at all or was it just kind of like yeah i know i can but i'm not going to you know like you you can't really jump more than like six or seven levels above your current bracket um, uh but but I mean unless you know you're really good or you have like really good uh, gene you know like equipment or you've bought you know like that the the next tier uh, items and stuff. But um, I did find myself I was level seven when I went into the second dungeon and I bumped it up to the ten to twenty bracket because the battles were more boring than anything you know like anything else. Um, and so I, I wanted the extra challenge and the payoff was there. You know, like I got, I was leveling up faster. Um, but I mean, it, it really depends how you want to, how you want to play. Um, you, you run the risk of being under leveled for certain, you know, like boss fights and stuff if you kind of don't push yourself. But it is nice to be able to go back like through a dungeon on a low level if you need to, you know, like catch up or, you know, like if you are just not the sort of, player who wants to fight you know like 50 times in a dungeon to make you know to get your way to the top you can just play i don't know if you can pick one through ten the whole game like you know all four stories through but you know like you can certainly stay on a lower level bracket and also i mean the the game despite the you know like the the complexities of the combat system and 
you know, like equipping what genes you want. There's, it's not super complex. It, there's just enough, um, strategy that you need to incorporate into how you play and like, you know, like how, uh, which genes you're going to equip on which character, um, so that, you know, like maybe you just want one person to be able to heal when you're split or, you know, and then that will carry over to, you know, like both, you know, like a joint heal, like, do you want to put more skills on more individual skills on each person? Or do you want to have both players be able to use, uh, the same skills? I mean, there's, there's enough in the game. Um, and like the, the item, uh, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, but the, the item, the items that you get, uh, are never, you know, like you, you're not, I don't find myself at a complete loss for what to equip, which unlike my next game, uh, is, uh, a pleasant change of pace from like the usual RPG, you know, like, let me equip these, you know, like, how am I going to min max my character to all hell? <laughs> all right. So what's your next game? Uh, my next game is Knights in the nightmare, which, um, uh... Yeah, like, like I only just started playing this. <laughs> you mean that game that I bought and I still haven't put it in my DS? <laughs> that one exactly. Um, I, it's I played through here. Here I'll give you I'll give you this. I played through the tutorial and like let's say the first two battles, um, and and the tutorial took me longer than the first two battles. Um, it was that that tutorial is probably there's like sixty pages of information in the game and it's great because it teaches you how to play. Fairly quickly, it's it. You know, if you're not, you know, if you're going in blind without reading the manual or doing anything, uh, you know, like to to educate yourself, you are going to be in for a surprise. But John, what were you going to say? I hate sting games. Really, uh, I'm 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 not super opposed to them. I, they're they're interesting. I've never played a what, Yggdra Union. What what other games have they made? I'm not familiar with these guys. Y- so, Yggdra Union, Riviera, Hexus Force, and. Nights of Nightmare. What, uh, oh, they made the old Evolution games for the Dreamcast. Okay, I know none of these. Oh, okay, I loved those. Those um, were like my first RPG. Or close I, to it. I, I think that that most Sting games go way too far outside the box for me. Um, I actually, my favorite Sting game, the only one that I actually legitimately like is Hexus Force, which a lot of people decried because it was the most you know traditional of the Sting games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, for for those of you who are listening who don't really know, um, Knights in the Nightmare can best be summarized as a uh, strategy RPG bullet hell shooter. Um, what? Yep that, <laughs> yeah. that that is where that is where they get you. Um, so they they borrow the the uh, items as actions idea from Riviera uh, and attach that to. Um, this kind of strategy RPG deal where you have like special uh, specific classes that can attack in specific patterns and you have to use the items that you are able to equip to, you know, like make them do special attacks, but you're not directly controlling anyone because you're a wisp in the game and you can like the wisp can use the items on the characters to make them attack. And then also the enemies can't attack the people on the field, they can only attack you by shooting out bullets, which you have to dodge in a bullet hell shooter fashion. So yeah, so that's that's that game. Sounds very about? simple. <laughs> oh, I under I understand the concept of this game completely. I am so, I I just have the raised like rock eyebrow right now. I'm just like, huh? It is it, it makes 
a lot more sense once you do like the the first steps tutorial, which is the the most I think pleasant because it gives you like it says like here we're going to show you how to you know like attack and then it lets you attack. Um, the rest of them are just like image and text based and then just image uh, text based. And so once once you kind of get like your mind around how just how to attack and how to dodge um, and how to use items, then you have to start worrying about what character classes you have, what items you have equipped, various elements, um, the types of enemies on the field. You have to worry about destroying objects on the field to get more items to use because your items decay. And also the items that you get from the objects help you recruit knights from the chapters Zach, so that you can keep them in your personal. Zach, yeah, I know. It's crazy, no, right? No, Zach, you're not making me want to play this game. This just sounds like long division and calculus. Like, I, I, you have effectively made me not want to try this game now. I, I well, don't Well think... done. Well Thank done. Thank you. Um, it's, are, um, are, you, are you playing it for PSP or DS? I'm playing it for DS, and having started playing it for ds i don't know how the psp one could possibly function because you, you use the analog stick as to be your wisp it actually works pretty well i i will take your word for it but using a using the stylus is like i just couldn't imagine having to do like the it's so very you need so much precision i feel like with what you're doing and granted i wouldn't mind like high res character it, art yeah, and it's know, also like, it's a little bit easier because everything's on one screen as well true. you can you yeah. can kind of move your wisp around whereas with the ds you see the bullets on the top screen but you're moving yourself on the bottom screen yeah there there is a disconnect there because you have just the this very bare bones map um and item deal on the bottom screen um but on the top screen is where all the the fancy graphics and, and such are going. Um, but yeah, Rob, to to make you try to you know like to make you interested in this game again, um, it sounds confusing. But it, like yeah. once <laughs> it sounds confusing, and it and it still is confusing to me. And I'm in the, the plot so far. I have no clue what's going on. Um, so, but. It, I feel like if you kind of put the time in to figure out, it's one of those games. Like if you give it, if you give it three hours of your life, where you have not a whole lot of an idea of what's going on, it seems like it could be really interesting. The action is really fast paced. Um, it's you know the basically the there's no kind of like overworld or anything. It just puts you between you know, like uh, from battle to battle with uh, plot and stuff in between. Um, but yeah, in battle, it's you know like you you have a lot to juggle, um, and if you are a fan of like having a lot to keep track of, and you know like being able to keep track of all of it, you know like if you're you know I guess doing your job right, um, then it is a fairly rewarding game when you are able to you know like complete a you know like a, a map in two turns. Uh, so yeah, I mean like I, I'd say. Definitely, you know, like if you still have it, you know, give it a try. Um, it's it's a confusing one. Yeah. Wait, I I have something to add because if I I didn't, our our folks at Atlas um, wouldn't be happy. Um, I'm pretty sure that if you buy uh, Knights of the Nightmare, still you get a free copy of Igra Union on the PSP. For on both, the P- right? on, yeah, on the PSP. Um, 
you get a PSN version of uh, of Yggdra Union, regardless of if you buy the retail copy or if you buy the PSN copy. But uh, you know, it's a it's a much more straightforward strategy RPG from mm. thing. Well, okay, so um, Zach, not trying to cut you off, but is is that all you got for that? Me? That is, in fact, all I've got for you. All right. Uh, so I, I'm in the middle of. Uh, I find that this happens to me every once in a while, like maybe every two or three years when I'm gaming. I get so fatigued out on playing video games and playing the same type of game over and over again that I just need something radically different. Uh, between playing Fallout New Vegas and uh, my review and Kyle Miller's review uh, should be going up here hopefully next week. Uh, so we have some nice second second and third opinions to go along with uh, John's excellent award-winning review. Uh, not trying to take anything away from him. Um, He's just angry because I liked the game more than he did. I think I hated the game more than everybody else. So, uh, so uh, between that, you know, just playing my third Bethesda-style RPG in you know three years and then going straight into assassin's creed brotherhood which is you know another genre that i really like which is the open world game and just you know for those who don't know and you know it's not an rpg but assassin's creed brotherhood is just assassin's creed 2 2 it's you're literally just doing the exact same things again and it's wait 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 wait. i've got better it's assassin's creed new vegas yeah kind of kind of like it's not it's just as not fun uh, and, and so, like, I, I was just sitting there, and I'm, I'm going, you know, I've been playing these same games all the time. I love open-world games. I love RPGs, but I've been playing the same type of game over and over again, and I just found myself, like, just not interested in playing an RPG or in playing an open-world game. And what I actually did was, uh, when I went and I picked up Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, I saw the Sly Cooper collection for 40 bucks, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pick this up. And today, I have almost beaten Sly Cooper 1. Like, I've been playing it all day, and I, I love it. You know, it's so different. I'm not a huge platform gamer. So I, I think the thing that I need to do every once in a while is just take a break from those genres and play something that's very, very different, something that I don't play uh, fairly often. I think that's how I get over the fatigue. So I wanted to ask uh, Zach and I wanted to ask John, do you guys ever feel the fatigue with a, with a certain genre and you have to do something else? I, I have four games that are my go-to games for – I guarantee you if I don't want to play – like there will be times where I look at my games. I'm like, I have all these brand-new games. I don't want to play anything, and I'll load up one of four games, Gran Turismo, Woo-hoo. either – yeah, Gran Turismo, which number five, probably out the day we post this podcast, which, oh, man, um, Peggle, okay, mm. uh, Clubhouse Games, and uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Okay. Okay. So those are like your go-to games when when you don't want to you want to play a game but you don't want to play anything that's on your shelf. That's what you do. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing: clubhouse games, the best twenty-five bucks I ever spent. And I bought it when not twenty-five, thirty-five. I bought it when it was brand new and it wasn't a budget price title. And oh man, like there there is no better deal on the DS. Is that the uh, the card games? Yeah, it, it it's pretty much any card game that you ever want. So I play President constantly, mm. which President is is everyone should recognize it as a drinking game. <laughs> uh, well, I think the other uh, big game for me was a multiplayer game was uh, Left for Dead One and Two. Like I, you know, I I would always play those, and I think that that did a lot I, to help I, me. I used to play that with my buddy Keith. 
Yeah, it, it was a really good way of like breaking up a lot of tedium. Like I would play Fallout 3, you know, when I got home and I, I'd play it for two or three hours. And then at night it was always Left for Dead time. So it was something something to break up a little bit of the tedium. I, you know, I found I spent, what, 25 hours with New Vegas and I felt it the whole way. Like it, it was just like, oh, my God, it's another freaking quest. OK, once again, I have no idea where to find this guy. I'm looking at the radar. I'm trying to figure out where to go. I think one of the great things about Left 4 Dead is that it has fantastic pacing in that you are done with your game in an hour. There, yep. There is no story to Left 4 Dead. Like, there, there kind of the, is. The story like, are the individual moments. Like, when your yeah. one buddy goes down and you're sitting there trying to decide if you go back and save his ass. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's, its pacing is fantastic. I have no problem playing a match of Left 4 Dead pretty much whenever. Um, especially with my buddy Keith. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know what you're implying. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to get a joke here or not. Hey, dude, I'm making a Left for Dead joke. Oh, <laughs> Alice's buddy Keith, right? Oh, 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 okay. Oh my God, dude, I'm sick. I can't pick up on your subtleties. <laughs> dag, dag, nabbit. Mm, I, I think the. the Usually what I end up doing when I kind of get sick of uh, games in general, I, I don't usually if – I'm, if I'm like sitting down to play an RPG, I'm kind of like in it. Actually, interestingly enough, I feel like RPGs are, are my kind of palate cleanser um, sort of dish. You know, like it's my – I usually get kind of sick of playing those, you know, like open world games like Assassin's Creed and like sitting down with Persona 3 – or Persona 4, and just, like, like getting, like, really into, like, a quality turn-based JRPG with, like, good story, good writing, that is kind of what, you know, like, what gets me going again, what gets the, not, not the creative juices flowing, but um, certainly kind of back into, you know, like, why I play um, video games. Because, I mean, most of my time is, is spent, you know, like, either you know, playing, like, Halo or, or FIFA or something, you know, like, college you know, yeah. like with, you know, I, like people in my hall. I, I hear you completely. I, when I play Call of Duty online or I play NHL 11 online, which I do a lot, um, and I get frustrated um, because I, I'm pretty decent at NHL. I was ranked in NHL 09, and, which was not, or which was actually fairly difficult because I only ranked 1,000 players. Um, and, you know, if I would lose, I would get angry, and I'm not an angry gamer. Like I, I killed a couple of controllers after losses in NHL. Yep, I did the same thing with Modern Warfare. Freely admit. But, but you go and I play RPGs, and I cannot get mad at an RPG. Like, oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can. Dragon Age. I, Whoa. <laughs> but I feel like just. Any time that I play an RPG, it really just kind of puts me back into the zone because chances are if I'm losing, it's not because of some kind of frustrating X factor, but I can level up or I can go do something else or, you know, whatever, and it's not that frustrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, there, there are a couple of, you know, like, let's say, for example, the, the SMT games. Um, I know I certainly stopped 
or hit a, a serious wall when I got up to the uh, the Matador fight in uh, Nocturne. Uh, and that, you know, like, I feel like if you're, if you're going back to an RPG, you kind of, there, there are some that are, are not to be, you know, like considered yeah. comfort food. No, uh, I, I hear you there, but I, you know, it's just, just the same. There are when, like the game that I can play competitively over and over, even if I lose is need for speed. Yeah. Like mm. I, I don't mind losing at racing games. You know, what, you know what I think it is for me? I think it's, um, and I, I was thinking about it because when I was looking at the map for Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and there were literally like 18 missions open to me and a couple of tombs that I could explore and Assassin's contracts to complete and Borgia flags to grab and feathers to grab. I was just sitting there like, there is literally too much for me to do right now. This is sensory overload. Like, I, I'm sitting here having a hard time. It's like the ADD of video games. Like, I could I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And I like that freedom. But then what ends up happening is it can overwhelm. And I know that with uh, Fallout 3, I felt like since there were a limited number of quests, I felt like it was focused. Fallout New Vegas, there's an absurd number of quests. So you look at your quest sheet and it's like – I don't even know which one to pick right now. There, there are way too many. And then I play Red Dead Redemption, which is an open world game. But there's always just enough open in Red Dead to keep you interested but never overwhelm you. You're never overwhelmed in that game. It's not like GTA 4 where there's like one thing for you to do and then like hang out and BS with your friends. There's like two – Do you want to go play pool? Yeah, exactly. But there's like two or three missions in Red Dead open, and then maybe a couple stranger missions. And so there's just enough to keep you really immersed. But with like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and and New Vegas, there's just too much for me to do. And now I'm playing Sly Cooper, and it's you know a linear platformer. You know, yeah. I, I it's just level based, and I, I like that linearity right now. I like that sort of narrow focus. I, the game that I think did it best for open world games was Infamous, where it was clear, if you don't want to do anything else, this is a story mission. Right. Go do this, finish the story. Otherwise, here, 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 and here, there's stuff you can do. Oh, yeah. Infamous did a really, really good job of that. Like, you know, it, it was nice. It was the perfect length. It was nice and fun. And don't get me wrong. I loved Assassin's Creed too. There was just enough to do. But Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, there is just – like, you look at the map, and it's just, what the hell? Like, there is so much to do right now, and it just, it, it literally made me not even want to turn the game on, because I knew I was going to be overwhelmed, and the same thing happened with New Vegas, so, you know, I, I'm actually looking for a more linear experience, and what's funny is, I, I never felt that way with Dragon Age. Like, Dragon Age is just focused enough, I thought that I was going to be pissed off that the game doesn't have a massive overworld, you just kind of click on locations, I thought that that was going to tick me off, but instead all it did was it just narrowed my focus. Like, okay, while I'm in Orzammar, I have these 20 things that I need to do, and I would just go and do them very quickly. And, you know, Mass Effect 2, you were always, you know, very focused in the area that you were. And so I think I'm starting to enjoy, you know, I I love Bethesda RPGs, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I love that open world adventure, but they have to give you enough to do without overwhelming you. And I think with Fallout 3, they did a good job with that. With New Vegas, it's just way too much. Yeah, I hear you. I, I, though, what's funny is after a point, I ran out of things to do in Fallout New Vegas. Really? Yeah, like, I don't know if it's just because I 
didn't get the right quests, but I I'm I'm at like my stagnation point. I'm level twenty six and I have no more quests except for the main quest. Well, you do end up cutting off a lot of quests if like you, you wipe out Caesar's Legion or wipe out the NCR. I mean you you really do cut yourself off a lot. Yeah, no, I I think part of the thing is I'm vilified by the NCR and I've killed Caesar's Legion. So or Kaiser's uh, Legion. Kaiser Kaiser. Yeah, I so I don't know. I, I guess what I'm looking for right now is I'm looking for my palate cleanser, and right now it's the Sly Cooper collection. And you know, uh, I, I, we talked in the pre-show warm-up. I'm really hoping that like The Witcher goes on Steam sale here in here in the next couple days, either for Black Friday or for Steam's like massive Christmas sale. But I'm also sitting here going, do I really want another huge ass daunting RPG? I kind of want something a little bit. You know, not not simplistic, but something a little bit more focused. I mean, here's here's the thing that I find with with RPGs is that if I am in fact burning out on an RPG, that the the kind of more original and you know like out there RPGs are kind of what bring me back into the fold. So like switching up, say, um, you know, like if if I'm like just chugging through Pokemon, you know, like simple. But that that stuff that that can get repetitive. Pokemon yeah. is, can get repetitive, and like you know, like switching over to uh, the to like Knights in the Nightmare, for instance, which is the the least uh, like conservative RPG that I've played in a very long time, um, is is a good way to kind of break out of that. And I feel like The Witcher. I mean, I, I haven't played all the way through it, but what I have played. It is it is a bit less you know out, it is a bit less uh you know like standard it is a you know like the combat is kind of almost fantasy star online esque yeah, in click, its in its click, clickiness click. Uh, yeah and its r- rhythmic clicking yeah um, I, I definitely want to try it it's just I, I think the prospects of starting up you know and, and even with the Sly Collection everybody says that as the Sly Cooper games go on they get more and more intricate and I'm sitting here going that's not what I want right now. You know, like maybe that's why I like Demon Souls so much is because you know it is an intricate game, but you are on one path, and when yeah. you get into the level. What's interesting is I the, one of the reasons why I like Heavy Rain is Heavy Rain has a very complicated story and it's got depth to it, but the actual gameplay is pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I'm I'm looking for right now. Uh, I, I, if I had written a review of something like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, what I would have said was like. You know, the reason why I loved Assassin's Creed 2 was it was just a bigger, meatier, juicier version of Assassin's Creed 1. But there's a reason why you don't have Thanksgiving dinner every week. It's because it doesn't give you a chance to savor that. And so, so, so we, instead, instead of Thanksgiving dinner, you want like a KFC double down? No, no, no. What I'm saying <laughs> is that I want there to be a separation between, you know, I want there to be a gradual increase in what we've come to expect from the genre, not just a yearly re-release. Like, I'm not one of these people that goes out and buys the new Madden every year. You know, I, I like my I games. I NHL 11 on day one. That's fine. That's fine. But, like, it, it's the big reason why when, I, when I'm reading about the new Batman game, for example, and all the stuff that they're doing with it to make it new and interesting, I'm really excited. Yeah. Now, I, I, I want to see evolution. 
I, I'm so mad that Rocksteady did so well with Batman because I want a new Urban Chaos game. No, and that's no, never more going Batman. To happen now. No, no, more Batman. I, more I Batman. want. I know. I want Urban Chaos. There's no other. I game. wanted. I wanted that that rumor to be true that they were working on the new uh, Hitman. That's what I wanted. That would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting. <laughs> I I really wish that turned well, out to be true. Oh, I suppose I suppose now that that IDOS and Square Enix are the same company. That that's because I was about to say no. IO Interactive is IDOS, but that's I I think that Square does indeed own that property now. Oh yeah, I, the next Hitman game. I mean, IO's working on it. They they just had a couple of guys who used to work for IO that had Hitman Five listed in their bio. It's like the worst kept secret in the industry right now, outside of the PSP two. It, it's coming. You know, just just frickin' announce it already. We, we've seen artwork for the damn game. Just announce it. So I, I want to go off a complete tangent. If, if Sweet. Um, I, I'm looking around, and I'm looking at my copy of Call of Duty Black Ops. Um, dear, dear game developers, please do more of this where including games inside of a game. Um, for those of you who don't know, you can play the entirety of Zork in the Call of Duty menu. <laughs> oh, my the, buddy was telling me about that. Yeah, the the Call of Duty menu is interesting in that it's actually from the first person view, and there's a computer sc- or there's a television screen in front of you, but you can get up. You like you can break out of this chair that you're strapped into and go over to a computer, and if you type in Zork, it gives you Zork. And it got me thinking of uh, of Day of the Tentacle, which was essentially Maniac Mansion two, came out you know almost two decades ago now. It's one of my favorite. Favorite, 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 favorite adventure games because it's awesome. Do you, do you uh, like it? No, I hate it. Okay. Um, but there's a computer in that game, and you can play Maniac Mansion inside of Maniac Mansion 2. It's <laughs> awesome. No, I, I love that sort of stuff. I really do. And, and when you think about it, like the, the executable for Zork, Zork came out, I don't know how many years. It came out before I was born, I think. And... That game's executable has to be like a hundred kilobytes, if that. <laughs> and you you have to think that considering that a Blu-ray, a single uh, a single layer Blu-ray is twenty five gigabytes, that you can fit, you know, a copy of your company's game from you know nineteen eighty whatever onto that to just as an Easter egg. I wish more companies would start doing this. You know, because it's really cool to have, like, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection to have all those games together. But I would love to, you know, bust out, you know, the the upcoming Mass Effect, which we'll talk about the, the stuff here, um, and play, like, I know that Shattered Steel came out only in 98, but, like, to have Shattered Steel on the disc. That would be cool. That would be cool. So, I guess we've get we've beaten this dead horse. We've beaten this dead horse to death. Yes, yeah, so that that that's what I wanted to say. Good good job, Rob. Okay, uh, so I think with that part of the show all done and over with, it's time to switch it over to uh, Zach in the news. I think we need to make the podcast official. Podcast. We need to make the podcast official and like get Zach some like crazy news music. That seems to be the way that uh, the other gaming podcasts do it. Bum, 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 bum. We, no, we should totally, nah, um, nah. We, we should use the Soldier Boy music. That should be our Oh, music. never, never, ever. I will leave uh, in two seconds. What about Lady Gaga? 
I will leave in less in in more than two seconds. <laughs> in more than uh, two I'll, seconds. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, give it, I'll give it more time, but it's that's... too bad that that's not a mix and DJ hero. Oh, <laughs> All right, Zach, take it away. All right, starting off the news tonight, we have uh, more Ark the Lad coming to the PSN. Uh, and so that is uh, hot off the heels of Ark the Lad and Alundra coming up to the PSN. Um, there is Ark the Lad 2 and Ark Arena um, are going to be on the PSN uh, November 23rd. So that's uh, this coming Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, probably when the podcast goes up, you will be able to buy these games. And so you can have uh, Ark the Lad for it, by itself for uh, six U.S. dollars. Or you can bundle it with Arc Arena for nine US dollars. So um, five hundred ninety nine US cents. Yes, that is that is in fact true. Um, but uh, has has John? Have you played either of these games or Rob? No, I, two years ago. Like I, they're they're all generic strategy RPGs to me at this point. Mm. I have never played them. I, I have not. I didn't have a PS1 when I was a young child. Uh, on, in, in the release date segment, we also have Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together uh, coming out February 15th. Uh, and so that should... What's the platform uh, for that? PSP? PSP, yep. PSP Dang remake it. of the very original Tactics Ogre with uh, updated art and uh, such things. And I think a couple of new uh, gameplay systems as well. And... Um, there's going to be a pre-order bonus. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's up yet on all yeah. of the retailers, but there's going to be a set of tarot cards illustrated by uh, Akihiko Yoshida, who is, oh. I believe, the artist on the game. Um, Will all the characters not have noses? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> um, it's like they're all Krillin from Dragon Ball Z. Hmm. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, in in Japan news, uh, the last story is going to get a Wii bundle uh, of its own when it comes out on January twenty seventh, uh, yeah. and so that's that's going to run you uh, three hundred and ten US dollars, which is um, twenty five thousand eight hundred yen. Um, I wish we would get more crazy bundles in the US like that. There's a decided lack of them. I, there's a Lords of uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadows bundle on the PS3 in Japan, and I'm just like, well, I, maybe I'd buy it. PS3. Trust me, you don't you don't want to play Lords of Shadow. No, just, the ending will break your head. What, what's funny is I just got my new issue of uh, official PlayStation magazine, and it's listed as one of the PS3 games that you, an essential that you should get if you buy the console. Lords sure. of Shadow, really? Yeah, Wait, I, I mean, that's the that's the new one, right? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's good. I mean it, it's definitely a good game, but like, I, I, the game peaks at about two thirds through, and then the last third is kind of kind of boring. Like the first third's bad, the second third's good, the third the last third's kind of bad, and then the ending is just like, Bleh? so, yeah. But, Moving on. Okay. More news. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Dan. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3DS. Is Son of a. Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, I mean, it's it's gonna it's not one thing that is very important in this news story. Um, which the the full news story is that there will be new Disney worlds, uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3DS. So, um, you'll be able to control Sora and Riku. Uh, you know, there's you don't know why they're both there. Um, but 
there are going to be some, you know, like some, a bunch of new worlds and some originals like Traverse Town that are going to still be there. Um, one very important thing is that it is not Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, it will tie into Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, perhaps, you know, like lead into it, um, I think gameplay and story-wise, uh, but the it is not, you know, like Roman numeral 3 Kingdom Hearts. Well, Roman numeral uh, 3 Kingdom Hearts is still like five years away because we still have to get 13, we have to get versus 13 first. We can only hope. We can only hope, Rob. I, I just hope it never comes out just just to tick Steven off. Just, just to spite us. All right. No, just to, spi- just to spite Steven. I hope that he never finds out, you know, <laughs> anything about – it's going to turn out that Sora is like the illegitimate son of Sephiroth and Eris. And then he's going to drive a Wanzer. Oh, that would be Wanzer. So, that would be so, – isn't it pronounced Wanzer? Probably. I, uh, it, it's I, – I don't care anymore. You just don't I, care because I proved you wrong. I, I'm pretty sure it's Vonzer, but I <laughs> win. I, I played through all of Front Mission Evolved, which um, that it's, I mean, classically the Front Mission games haven't had great stories, but it's just awful. It's the the story in that game is awful. Yeah, I mean, I I don't yeah, I just don't want another Kingdom Hearts. Really? Like, the, the, can we get back to, like, it being you, Goofy, and Donald Duck on a magical adventure, and it's not like, I'm going to fight the 13 clones of Sora, or whatever the hell's going on? Can, can we just get back to the basics? Like, let me ride Simba. I, How about I, that? You know what? You know what? I think game that you'll really like is Epic Mickey. Uh, yeah, if it was HD and on my PlayStation 3, and not the frickin' Wii. I, it's six months from now. Yeah, that that's true. When it absolutely tanks on Wii. Like I mean, don't don't underestimate don't underestimate the the hordes of younger children. That that's going to be the biggest. That's probably going to be the biggest flop of the year. One of the things Rob and I discussed before the show was the Sly Collection. I asked him if he was playing with Move, and he said, "No, hell no." Um, Chances are, if Epic Mickey comes to uh, to PlayStation Three, it's going to require Move. Oh, yeah. See, that's the sort of thing though that would that would entice me to get a move is like having you know like being able to kind of do away with my wii you know with for the exception of you know like zelda and mario and you know like the occasional uh nintendo you know like sponsored hit um and you know like being able to use like my ps3 as an hd wii that i would not be opposed to that no i mean the the controls that i've seen for the games i've played thus far have been great with the exception of heavy rain whose move control scheme is an abomination and i want to Hurt everyone at Sony that was involved in that decision, as opposed to giving me download content for the game. Heavy rain. Some stage. Okay, what? We have have you have time. you guys checked out the new Deus Ex Human Revolution gameplay? Yes. Trailer? I told you I don't watch trailers. <laughs> holy, holy. Uh, so for for those of you who are unaware, there is uh, a new gameplay trailer for Deus Ex Human Revolution. Um, if it's on the site, you can check it out on our YouTube page, uh, if you're interested, uh, or, you know, just somewhere on the internet, do yourself a favor and and take a look at it. The original one is awesome. See, I tried to play the original one on PlayStation 2, and that was an abomination. Yeah, that's a bad port. But it it looks like if you want to take a look at some of the, uh, uh, it seems like there's some customization, the weapon customization in there, uh, they show how... The you know like uh, weapon switching and how your inventory will work and you know all of, a bunch of the different uh, I guess 
nanotech is it yeah I just, that you can use i just love the art design of that game like that is just a beautiful freaking game like that you know soft orangish yellowish and the the stri- i mean it's very blade runner and it's like blade runner done properly it just looks awesome like i, I hope the game turns out to be good but at least that artistic direction is great mm. Uh, the, getting to the last chunk of news stories, oh. uh, Fallout New Vegas DLC, the first uh, the first DLC pack, um, which is so far exclusive to the Xbox 360 version, uh, is entitled Dead Money, uh, and you're trying to uncover a, a treasure that the Sierra Madre Casino has. Um, and so that is coming out. Uh, it's following the the Fallout Three uh, DLC kind of like pricing structure at ten dollars, and that's coming out uh, December twenty first. So, John, any interest? Yeah, sure. I mean, DLC is good for me. I, I again, I discussed this with Rob earlier. Uh, oh, did I discuss this? No, I discussed this on the podcast. Never mind. Um, yeah, I've I've kind of fallen out. Like I've I've run out of things to do. Um, yeah, you so said I'm that gonna, like five minutes ago. I I don't know where my brain is. Okay. Um, intelligence, uh, intelligence of two. Ice cream. I yeah that that's one thing that I do want to do. I I <laughs> wish that I didn't have to go through the entire game again. Um, well, I oh, found well, out you that can just you can just download the mod that lets you. Oh. Yeah. Screw <laughs> you. Um, there, there are some low dialogue or low intelligence dialogue options in Fallout New Vegas, which is cool. You can run through the Repcon factory, and when they ask you for a password, you can yell "ice cream," and they let you buy. Um, no, but yeah, I've gotten I've got no problem with DLC. Honestly, like uh, I beat Fallout Three and then just stopped playing after the ending. And when I got Broken Steel, that made me go back and play again. So. Well, I mean, there's going to be a piece of DLC. I mean, there has to be that's going to let you keep playing the game after the ending. That was my biggest complaint about New Vegas. You remember when Bethesda said, oh, yeah, we screwed up and we shouldn't and we should have let you keep playing after the main storyline's well, over? I, I, yeah, I. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> well, you also have to consider Fallout New Vegas is not Bethesda's game. It's Obsidian's game. Yeah, but you'd think that Bethesda like would give them a post-it note that was like, here, don't do this. I mean, it just I, screams of screwing people over for DLC. Yeah, right. I, I I don't see that. Like, I Fallout New Vegas was very clear that when you go here, this is the end of the game. True, true, but it just it just bothers me. I I have no problem because Fallout New Vegas was really good about wrapping up its ending. It wasn't derp derp. Okay, you're dead. Well, yeah, Fallout 3's ending just felt like uh, you know we we need to end the game quickly. So. Okay. All right. Well. I, I, you know, still love that uh, that piece of logic. Okay, you have this guy right here who's immune to all radiation. No, I can't do that. <laughs> I was like, get your ass in there, Fox. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm gonna wait for the inevitable game you know, of the year, game of the, or, or you know, whatever wasteland pack <laughs> edition, and, and you know, on the chance that it doesn't win game of the year. Yeah, question. Questionable game of the year edition, <laughs> but that's yeah, what I want to like, see. It's it's gonna collect you know all of the DLC. You know it's gonna come out eventually. You know at some point halfway through next year. Um, I'm gonna wait for that, just because I still need to buy myself some New Vegas. But yeah, you can do without it. 
Uh, okay, last the last two big news stories are related to our friends at uh, Good Old Games, GOG.com. Uh, first and foremost, Baldur's Gate 2 is finally on GOG.com. John, your thoughts? Um, I, I have it on CD, so it really doesn't bother. It's cool. It's, it's not Steam. That's like supporting communism. It's not um, okay, Steam. Okay, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. I huge difference here. Steam, fantastic. I love Steam. GOG has no DLC. I can go. I can install no it. Uh, oh, oh, I got my acronyms messed up. Yeah, no That's DRM. Um, I can literally install that onto a uh, flash drive and go and play it wherever I want. And I can't do that with a Steam game. And I think that's one of the things that makes these games on GOG work incredibly well because, you know, you can run them from a flash drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so Baldur's Gate 2 completes the the Atari Hasbro uh, catalog of Dungeons & Dragons games, which started off with uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and was followed up with uh, Planescape Torment, Icewind Dale 1 and 2, Temple of Elemental Evil, and Neverwinter Nights. And so it's finally there. Finally, wow. the, the cycle is complete. That's a whole lot of RPG that you can get for... Uh, I think it's... Uh, Math 66, is hard. I know, $66. One of them is 6 bucks, and the other the other one. So $66 gets you all of those games. They're probably... you know, If, if you were intending to buy all of them, perhaps hold off, and you know, like eventually they'll have a sale. But... Um, at this point, it's almost as if they're, you know, like they're providing a service to the gaming community by just archiving, um, at the very least, Planescape and Baldur's Gate 2. Uh, but, you know, most of those are pretty good games. Uh, it's not Steam. Nights is pretty great. It's not Steam. Don't support it's fascism. Not, it's not don't, Steam. Don't support fascism. Support America. Um, support Steam. I, I mean, you, you could... If you, you know, maybe, maybe Rob, when you buy The Witcher 2, you, you'll buy it on Steam or you'll buy it on GOG.com. Can I make a side um, comment about, about The Witcher 2 before you talk about the special edition? Okay. Can they just go back and call it Assassin of Kings or Assassins of King? Uh, like, Assassins of Kings is really hard to say. Really, Rob? It, yeah, it, it honestly bothers me. Grammatically, it bothers me. Why it, it's it's correct if it's about multiple assassins who assassinate multiple kings? Do you know that for a fact, or is it just uh, one assassin who kills multiple kings? Uh, you have to remember, I sat in on an E3 demo of this game. I, I really doubt that you got an answer to that question, sir. Maybe I did. Maybe I'm just under embargo. I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, um, the the Mister Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, the, the, the big news is that uh, for those of you who are unaware, um, the, the GOG in GOG.com stands for Good Old Games. Um, and the, the, the kind of the logic behind this is that CD Projekt, who is the publisher, um, at least in and Poland, uh, well, CD Projekt Red is, you know, the, if you want to yeah, make the, that it's distinction. The, it's the same company. It's the same people. Um, the CD Projekt owns uh, GOG.com as well as, you know, makes the witcher uh so they're offering it um on gog steam um if you know if impulse is your thing uh it's going to be there i imagine it'll be on direct to drive and gamers gate at some point uh and then there's also retail um the nice thing retail Ah, 
Um, Fire if, bad. If you're going for you know like a digital version, uh, my my personal suggestion as far as you know like what you'll get is to buy it from either GOG or Steam. Um, on GOG, you get a uh, a free game um, from the website. Either you get a choice of Beyond Divinity, Divine Divinity, Gothic Two, Realms of Arcania One and Two, and Realms of Arcania Three. Um, Why can't you well, just get The Witcher? <laughs> well, because it's not on. That's not regular on GOG. Oh, for God's sake! Um, there's going to be a digital version of the art book that comes in the collector's edition. Uh, and it's completely DRM free, just like you know any other game that's on GOG. So if you if you had a, a netbook or a laptop that you could kind of install it to a thumb drive, uh, you are capable of doing that. Um, I'm just nervous that like my computer is not going to be able to run The Witcher too. Like just based off those movies, I was like, holy crap! Like I mean, I got I, I've got 512 megabytes of graphics memory, and I'm nervous. I, I think that the guys at CD Projekt have gotten better. Like, it was clear they, like, I know that you've never played this, Rob, but the original version of The Witcher was pretty bad technically. Like, not on a graphics level, but on the fact that it, you had to load a lot, and there were pretty significant issues with, with lower-end computers. And it was clear that they, they'd improved it significantly in the enhanced edition. Like, loading times were cut by, like, in a third. Right, right. I mean, I, I'm just we're getting we're getting to that point where like my PC is about two years old right now, and five twelve megabytes of uh, of graphics memory is pretty good. But like, I'm a little nervous about Dragon Age two, and then I'm really nervous about The Witcher two. So I don't want to go out and buy them and then have them run assy on my computer. Plus the fact that like New Vegas ran like crap on my computer, and Fallout three ran wonderfully. Uh, uh, yeah, but I don't think that was limited to yeah. you. That was was that the Obsidian problem. I, I think so. There were lots of people who were complaining that it didn't run particularly well. So I, I don't think that was limited to you or your computer setup. Okay. Um, I, I think we're running into the, the point in games where 32-bit operating systems are not going to cut it anymore. Yeah, I've got a 64, thank yeah, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a 32-bit operating system. I've got 3 gigs of RAM and a, vid- <laughs> a video card that's got 512 megs of VRAM. And I'm at the, that's 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 it. Like I have to upgrade to a different operating system, um, and because I had a student upgrade key because I got it when I was going to school, I just have the 32-bit version. Um, so I have to go buy another copy of Windows 7. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to replace my motherboard because I don't want socket 775. Um, 64-bit anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm running uh, Intel Core 2 Duo, uh, 4 gigs of RAM, and 512 megabytes of graphics memory, and I mean, most games I'm running are at high to ultra settings, you know, like, usually high, can't really hit ultra all the time, because, you know, I've got a small monitor, it's a laptop, but, you know, I'm, I'm already getting ready and thinking about my next uh, desktop computer, but I'm, I'm in that transition period where I am nervous about picking a game up and having it run like crap on my computer. Like dropping Fallout New Vegas from high settings to medium settings, that game looked terrible. You know how normally going from high to medium isn't a huge problem? Fallout New Vegas, like the Pip-Boy wasn't even legible. Like it just – it was like what the hell? Like there, there are some games like that where it's just the – they don't set the settings right when it comes to, you know, what 
between high and medium or between medium and low where the game goes from looking decent to looking like it came out of 1998. Yeah, exactly. And it, it really looked bad. And like Dragon Age Origins actually ran fairly well on my computer, but that was in the middle of the, the Windows uh, Vista to Windows 7 skip. So like ATI was so behind the bat on their drivers. Dragon Age Origins ran like crap for six months. And then all of a sudden they just released like a patch in like April and the game ran like butter. And we were all sitting there going like, where the hell? That thing was burning graphics cards. Like it, it didn't, it, for whatever reason, Dragon Age wouldn't let the fans kick in on some graphics cards, some ATI graphics cards. So anyway, please continue. Zach, yeah, so um, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I get, cool. I get sidetracked. I'm sorry. I just like talking to you guys. It's always interesting. So, Rob, if you're going to be buying The Witcher 2 on Steam, uh, it's not going to be completely DRM free. Of course, it's going to have Steam's kind of you know, standard DRM deal. Um, but it is going to have uh, cloud support for save games. Um, so if you want to... That worked so well with New Vegas. Hey, I, I, <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. And and it'll have uh, exclusive Steam achievements. So any achievement... You, you know what game did have cloud saves that works very well? StarCraft Two. Mm. That's, true. That's true. I need to finish that. Damn it. I fell, I fell off the wagon on that game. Yeah, me too. Like, I, other stuff came out, and I still need to beat the campaign. Yeah, and I still need to beat you at it. I beat Zach, and I beat Steven. Now I need to beat you. I, here, you could beat me by proxy. I, I'm awful at that game. So. Sweet. Okay, a couple, a couple final details. Um, so, yeah, so the game is coming out uh, May 17th. It's going to be $50 U.S., um, if you pre-order it on a digital distribution service, you get an extra five off. Uh, if you pre-order it from the EU or UK on GOG, they give you a credit for the GOG store um, for the equivalent price in US dollars because it's more expensive. It's uh, like the 45 euros uh, pre-order in the UK or in, in the EU and then uh, 31 and a half pounds uh in the uk so it's a it's a pretty sizable chunk of change um i, I think I, it's a, a game or two um I can't, I can't do math in metric dollars from europe basically you get uh six dollars back if you're if you live in the uk and ten dollars back if you live in the eu um uh, which they, is they, which is a game or two games depending on how you slice it uh on good old games and i mean like considering that you know, on Steam, people are so often getting just screwed out of money if they are in different regions. Um, it's I think it's you know pretty pretty decent you know pretty good people of GOG uh, to do that. Um, and then finally, if you're you know like there's a whole bunch of stuff in the in the retail and you know like premium and collector's editions. There's a hundred and thirty dollar collector's edition that comes with a bust of Geralt's head. Sorry, um, when I when I think The Witcher, that's not the bust that I was expecting. True. Just, <laughs> I know true. that I know that was the low hanging fruit, but we were all thinking it. All right. Uh, so yeah, so if you're buying um, actually any any digital version or uh, retail version of the game, you get a whole bunch of stuff, making a video, soundtrack, map, etc. Um, and then the collector's edition has you know like the the sculpture, uh, playing cards, poker dice, and uh, a 200 page art book. 
Um, so those that will all be out May 17th, 2011. It's available for pre-order now on GOG, Steam, Impulse, and you know, like pretty much anywhere else you would want to purchase it. Uh, so yeah, so that is our, you know, like, uh, last kind of news for the night then, but we also have, uh, Bioware speculation, rumor speculation. They've, they've posted a couple of QR codes on, uh, their, uh, Twitter and Facebook pages, which, uh, you know, some internet sleuthing, uh, not on my part, but has led to the decryption of such codes as like the, I think it was the atomic weight of iron and like a, a certain temperature centigrade that like has to do with one of the, I think it's like the lowest temperature that has ever been recorded on earth. And so it's all pointing, uh, plus a, uh, that, that and a, a, what's it? Uh, Oh, right. The temperature of earth had to do with where it was recorded. Vostok, which is a system, a planetary system in mass effect, um, do you want so me yeah, to just ru- do you want me to just ruin it now? What it is? It's all pointing to Rob. It's not Mass Effect Three. It's the multiplayer Mass Effect game that they've been threatening to unleash upon the world for the past year. Threatening is a bit rough, but um, yeah, it's, I mean there, it's there was no that... one wants. That's my point. I, 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 we talked in the pre-show warm-up, and John was like, "Look, I don't have a problem with them doing it." I don't have a problem with them doing it either. They can make a Mass Effect dancing rhythm game for all I care, but it's something that nobody wants. It's something that nobody's interested in. Why release something that nobody's interested in? That's my uh, problem. Rob, Rob, you're not everybody. I am, in fact, everyone. The world revolves around me. I've done the equations. I've done the science. It is true. Here, here's the thing. I, I exist I, in my own quantum wave function. Meh, I think that the game has had enough appeal in its last form to a general gaming audience where, it, it, as, as I called it before the game, massive effect um, future combat or warfare or whatever. Um, I think that a game like that would do well. I think that a, a focused single-player shooter with a good multiplayer element based in the Mass Effect universe would sell well. I mean, I, but my point is why the the point of Mass Effect is you know the combat is kind maybe for okay let let me say this maybe for the general public they enjoy the combat aspects but Bioware has always been harping more on the story and character development but aspect of this. Here's the thing, I, I a lot of people just know Bioware for their RPGs. My favorite Bioware game is MDK2, which is not wow. Okay, good point. Good point. I mean, and again, we're just speculating. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the guy in the teaser trailer, he had what looked like to be a Mass Effect sniper rifle, looked like he was wearing armor. So we're we're all just massively speculating. It could be, you know, the 30th century Dragon Age game for all we know, and like he's going to pull that gun on a dragon. That would actually be kind of sweet now that I think about it. Yeah, why? uh, (laughs) Bioware. Do it. I need to go. I need to go patent that right now. Actually, where's where's my pen? God, they could make it like Shadowrun and Dragon. Where's my freaking pen? I need to oh, write this down. Oh, I'm so sad that the last Shadowrun game was was what I it know. was. I know, but I I, I enjoyed it for what back it was. On task. Back on task. Back on oh, task. I, I want to talk about Shadowrun. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna go. In, I'm gonna go install that. Oh God. Now, so I'm. 
I, I think with whatever this is, it's probably something in the Mass Effect universe. I think it's going to be a multiplayer-based game based off of the job listings that they had before and them saying that they want to, wanted to explore it. Who uh, knows? You know what it's going to be? You know what it's going to be? It's going to be a game that takes entirely. It takes place entirely within the Mako. I would cry. Straight up. It's going to be called Need for Speed Mass Effect Edition. Oh my! Wow, that's going to replace the whale in my nightmares. That is <laughs> that is awful. Wow, thank you for that, John. Uh, I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. Hey, no problem. It's gonna be it's gonna be developed by EA Black Box too. Well, okay, we'll just end the story now. So so we don't know what it is. It's Bioware's next game. Looks like it's gonna have something to do with the Mass Effect universe. When is the big reveal? It's at the VGAs. Uh, yeah. Spike the Spike TV VGAs Video Game Awards. Where all I do is mute it, and whenever Which, they have a game trailer, I unmute it, it. It's far less prestigious than our awards. Oh yeah, we're gonna have our awards pretty soon, aren't we? Soon enough. Yeah. The the. I completed the uh, yearly What RPGs Came Out This Year uh, compilation. So there, there's a thread on our staff forums that people need to look at. I already know what my game of the year is. Okay. So uh, I guess that's it. I think that's it for the show. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you haven't already, please go on to iTunes. Subscribe to us through iTunes. Uh, also, subscribe to us through the RSS feed. We love to have the... Uh, wonderful feedback i got to i i do post the uh the love and hate mail that we get i post that on our boards so feel free to either give us some love or tell us how much you hate us uh especially steven and how much you hate kingdom hearts um i i want our readers we're we're getting to the point this year where rpg drought is starting like i don't think there's anything between now and like february um Talk to us about what you would like us to talk about in the backlog. If you want us to talk about, you know, PL PS2 RPGs, if you want us to talk about Oblivion, mm-hmm. if you want us to talk about whatever, let us know because I'm in the point where uh, nothing to play. Yeah, nine nine hours, nine persons, nine doors is kind of my last RPG for this year, and I'm you know I'm going to be playing Gran Turismo. I'm going to be playing uh, Call of Duty. Uh, I want an RPG in there, and I want you guys to tell me what I should play. So there's a thread on our forums. You can email me, johnm at rpgfan.com. Um, I may set up a dedicated podcast email. Yeah, uh, I think I would I, I would want the listeners to suggest for me either, you know, give me your pick if, if anybody even cares between Digital Devil and The Witcher. I'm interested in both games. I'm probably going to pick up The Witcher if it goes on Steam sale. So th- those are the two games, the two RPGs that I'm really interested in trying. I played a little bit of Digital Devil. I got to say, it didn't cure cancer. I really wasn't that impressed by it, but I'd like to play it some more, see if it grows on me like a fungus. And then I, I'm going to have three and a half months of winter break before I go to Japan Holy at the end of March. So I will have plenty of time to you know just shoot me a recommendation, and I will play that game. Oh, goody! We get to hear we get to hear Zach babble about battle systems for twenty minutes every podcast. Yeah. Oh, golly! You know it. So yeah, we we definitely need a lot of uh, RPGs to play. We are kind of in a uh, in a drought right now, so definitely give us some suggestions. You know, we're always open to it. So for everybody on the show, for our dearly departed Stephen, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm just going to pour a little drink out on the floor for him. Okay, hopefully he comes back from Japan safe and sound. For Zach and for. Uh, 
John. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Ice cream!